Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 24, Coming Out, Getting Out, Going Out. Mary, what happened this week? Colin can only come out of jail with Val's help at great financial risk, and he can only hope to stay out of prison with the help of a good lawyer, also expensive, but it's fine because Val loves him now. Kelly gets out of rehab. What the title doesn't mention is that Tara also breaks out of rehab and Kelly comes to get her. They have, oh God. They have a little sleepover at the beach house because Donna says it's okay, but Tara has to go back to rehab in the morning. Nat goes out on a post-breakup date with Joan at the insistence of Susan and Claire and also Brandon and Steve. Susan is determined to rekindle the love that Nat and Joan had for each other like 20 years ago. There's a limo, champagne, hot dogs, a sad trip down memory lane, and also dancing. Oh, and also Joe got a pacemaker. It's really tiny. Feel his chest. <laughs> and that was it. That's all for Joe. Joe survived surgery. Gotta go. Bye. I literally forgot Joe was in the episode until you just mentioned that. <laughs> I have literally one line. It says, Joe survived surgery. He has no scars. And now he has a pacemaker no one can feel. Mm-hmm. But we'd like to try. <laughs> I mean... It's not like I was expecting, like, you know, when the Joker in the Dark Knight puts the cell phone in in the man and throws him <laughs> up. I wasn't expecting that, but I also wasn't expecting to know if you could feel it or not. I <laughs> Okay, what I was expecting was half an episode about Joe, something mm-hmm. about Joe, like, yeah, nothing. He just, he survived surgery. Gotta go. Yeah, especially since we just had all that, I guess, you know, drama around whether the family would respect. So it's like literally like once he convinced Hank, the family really was on board and he just like got the surgery the next day. Now, granted, there was a time jump. So Mm -hmm. this is a good segue into the top of the episode. We do find out it's been two weeks since the last episode that we saw. Mm -hmm. So. I guess it's feasible for Joe to have gotten approval from his family, scheduled the surgery, had the surgery, and is now fine just walking around eating really unhealthy food at the Peach Pit. Right. Seems reasonable. You have a pacemaker and you want to get back in football shape. You are eating baked chicken and salads. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's even like ready to play or whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah, because the only reason we find out about two weeks is because we literally open on jail, which I'm not surprised. Like, that was a big deal at the end of last episode. Val's going to visit Colin, and the only real comments I had to say about just this before they start talking is, he's in a blue outfit, not orange or gray or beige or something like that. So I feel like blue is a good color on him, and maybe that's why they chose it, because they were just like, "Mm, he's not an autumn true he's more of like a cool colors yeah i mean that's what i got out of his blue outfit i was like at least they've color coordinated his prison outfit for him true but he's got a little bit of scruff his hair doesn't have his gel in it like all that stuff val sits down they start talking apparently colin's bail is a hundred g's 
And he is just like, well, you could put up this. Well, you can put up your club. Well, you have to do something. And he gets pretty sassy with her. Like he is, I know he's stressed. Like I know this is not an ideal situation for anyone. But when you're demanding someone find $100,000, like we can have a compassionate conversation about this. Especially that like no one he knows has this money except probably someone that he burned a bridge with a little too early. Right, right. And I think that's the thing with it. It's like, yeah, I understand he's scared about being in jail, but he's being so aggressive and like angry to her, like not at her because she hasn't done anything wrong, Mm -hmm. but like very much angry to her. And I'm just like, like for somebody who needs help and who needs money, this is not the way to treat someone, even if you are scared, because I was just surprised that Valerie was just letting him talk to her like that yeah because at one point he says like you're all I've got but he doesn't say it that way he's like you're all I've got so you have to figure it out and then literally like he's being pulled back because like he has his visiting hours are over or or his time's up or whatever and he just like looks at her with daggers in his eyes and is like get me out and I'm like bro like I don't know if I were Val and I'm not but she's a very like manipulative vindictive person i could easily see her being like okay that's a step too far you're gonna spend more time in here you know if you're gonna treat me that way it their relationship makes no sense to me like there is definitely i guess kind of an interesting parallel with val being so desperate to cling to this like Colin, she's like, I finally got him. He's all mine. I've known him for forever. And then you've got Joan and Nat being like, he's finally all mine. Cool. There's nothing here. Because, yeah, I mean, we get that like really short scene with Joe getting out of surgery. Everybody gets up to leave because Kelly's getting out of rehab today, which is very exciting to find out. Exciting news. Exciting news. And then while they're getting up, we see Joan come out of the back office with Nat and we basically just find out that they just broke up. They were like, yeah, it didn't work out. It, You know, we went on a couple of dates. Uh. Yeah. And, like, they're acting kind of weird. And the gang that's there kind of pick up on it. And so once Joan leaves, they kind of, like, probe Nat a little bit more. Like, hey, man, like, what's going on? And he's just like, nah, they're, you know, just no sparks, no magic. Like, it just, it's just not. It's fine. And for some reason, they don't like that answer. (laughs) Which, like, man, to have 20-somethings as your friends who are like, you found your lobster. It's your one true love. You have Mm -hmm. to go for it. And Nat's just like, I don't like 50 years without her. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I'm okay. But then we have a quick break because now Susan and Claire want to do something about it and they have to go plot, even though Brandon is like, you're going to drop this. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're like, yeah, sure, honey. We're not dropping this. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize I needed a Susan and Claire mess around, but I'm very actually glad that we got it. Just, you know, like I, I don't love what it was, but I love them. I just, I love the visit to the lamp store. Like, oh, yeah. I actually want to talk about it now because okay. the idea that Joan works in like a lamp store, it's like an antiquing lamp, lamp store. I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. I enjoy this a lot. And Susan is prying. She's like, well, I needed a new desk lamp, so I thought I'd come to the lamp store. <laughs> and Claire is just like, 
I mean, I don't want to pry, but I want to pry, but like it's it's none of my business. So like if you don't want to tell me, but like what happened? But you know what? It's none of my business. But like if you want to tell me, we're just yeah, looking her, at lamps. Her like fight for self-control was adorable. And yeah, I think Claire is easily in my top three favorite characters. Like easily. The way that she came onto the scene was very aggressive, but like she's come into her own and really matured anyway. So <laughs> they finally do ask Joan what went wrong. And Joan basically says like she does really like Nat. She cares for him deeply, but she also can't put her finger on why it didn't work, which is essentially exactly the same thing that Nat said. But once they pry a little further, apparently Nat used to make everything romantic, everything from their first date to the hot dog stand or whatever it was. And so Joan's all, well, you know, maybe it's the time, maybe it's the place, maybe, you know, maybe it's this, that, the other thing. But all I know is you can't repeat the past. And that is a little sad that it's like all this time and you were once so in love and like now you're just, I guess, old and sparks aren't there like that's a little sad to me I I feel like I'm of two minds of this because you should always be romancing the person you're in a relationship with like that's why you know love languages exist you do your acts of service to show that you love somebody or you know whatever Mm -hmm. but it just feels like they're like well he's not as romantic as he was when we were in our 20s so like I don't know I I feel like they didn't actually talk about it together. Yeah, you they know? just kind of accepted, like, huh, something's not working. Okay. I, yeah, like, this does not feel like they had a conversation where Joan was like, do you remember how romantic we used to be together? We mm-hmm. could do that. Like, they could have had this date all on their own. They could have gone and gotten hot dogs together. Nat did not need meddling teenagers. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. This whole storyline with Joan and Nat feels very, like, parent trappy to me where the parents don't really want to be together, but they have these, like, latent feelings from back in the day. And so the children are just like, we're going to trap you on a boat together and recreate the night you met, and then you're going to kiss. Yeah, it's like the whole, you know, argument, like, you hear all the time in television and and anything is like, is love really enough? You know, Mm -hmm. because like, I think it's really naive, of course, of the children in the parent trap, but also of the gang here to think that it's just a love thing. Like they just need to like realize they love each other. They just need to see the sparks. Like, no, maybe they had some baggage that they like didn't talk about when they were younger that is still lingering, right? Like that they need to actually deal with. Like Joan had children with another person. Does How does that affect Nat? You know, Nat's been alone all this time. How does he feel suddenly having somebody to like hang around him all the time? There's just, it's that whole argument that love can be enough and that it should be enough. And I would love to be an optimist and say that I think that's true, but I am a realist and know that there's just, it's so, it's like such a complicated emotion, you know, outside of just whether you love someone or not. Well, and they talk about later how one of the reasons they broke up is for, they're from different religious backgrounds. Yeah. And it's like, okay, have we addressed that? Like, how do y'all want to, you know be buried like how is your will going does one of you have a plot in one place and one has a plot in another like Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to turn it morbid but like 
you have to address this again. If you're going to, you know, entertain the idea of getting married, what kind of service is it going to be? Like, you do have to talk about these things. Exactly. But no, let's go eat hot dogs and break into an (laughs) abandoned building. Yeah, let's go to private property. That's fine. My favorite part was when they went to the hotel and Joan was like, it's been closed for years. I was like, did Brandon clean that ballroom by himself (laughs) while everybody else went and drank champagne? He must. Jason Priestley must be directing like in an episode or two or something because he was barely in this episode. I am still waiting for Joe to have an episode because he is just like showing up saying five words and leaving. Mm -hmm. It's true. Ugh. So yeah. That's like a whole bunch of the Joan and Nat story that we haven't even gotten to chronologically because we have to set up another storyline where Kelly is, you know, packing up all of her stuff and rehab and Tara is upset that she is leaving. She's so sad. She's like still, you know, she's obviously sad because like she's like, am I going to have to get a new roommate? Like we've really bonded and all that. And I thought it was interesting that even though Kelly's leaving today, she's still going to be around for outpatient mm-hmm. group therapy. So I actually kind of love that she's still going to be like taking therapy just because obviously everyone needs it, but especially like as of late, Kelly does. Um, and so, you know, when Kelly leaves, Tara tries to give Kelly back her sweater and Kelly insists that she keeps it. So they definitely like, bonded or whatever but yeah it does seem it does seem interesting that Tara is just so so sad yeah I mean it seems pretty clear that like you know Tara has a lot that she has to work through I mean she's in this rehab dealing with an addiction and everything but there is like this emotional attachment that she has with Kelly now that Kelly's like we're only splitting up for like you're in here alone for a week and I'm still even mm-hmm. coming back for group at night. So like we're still going to see each other. You can call me, you know, and Tara is just upset. And then they are interrupted by hot doctor who should never get his license. <laughs> yeah, he like wishes Kelly good luck. They make hard eyes at each other, like at the elevator. So inappropriate. So inappropriate. It makes me so mad. And then later he's like, I'm not a doctor yet. And I was like, nor should you be one. (laughs) Doctors should not date their patients. It's true. And like, we don't know how how involved he was, but still the fact that he even like has access to her room, like, you know. Her medical records. Like. Yeah. I mean, he makes the comment, I think he got moved to pediatrics or something, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean he wasn't there before. We saw him before and like. This is not a meat cute of, oh, he treated me in drug rehab. This is like a control thing. Yeah, like it would be better if he was another patient. Exactly. But also, just side note, he kind of gives me like Josh Peck vibes from Drake and Josh. He was giving me, I don't even know the name of the guy or the name of the actor, but in the office when Pam goes to art school, her friend. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in a bunch of things. Yeah, oh. that's who he reminded me of. I even like saw that man on IMDb today and could not commit his me- his name to my memory. Yeah, like I definitely know who you're talking about, but same thing. I don't know his name. Um, yeah, but I can also get stuff. Yeah, I can also get Josh Peck vibes from here. Like older Josh Peck. Like not like Drake and Josh Josh Peck, but like older and taller. Yeah. This man is not running down the hallway screaming, Megan! 
no, <laughs> not even a little bit. And yeah, he walks her out. They make these hard eyes. And then we cut again to Val and we're back at the getting Colin out of jail storyline because apparently she's found a bail bondsman and rather than have to put up the whole $100,000 with bail, she only has to put $10,000 up and then the bail bondsman puts the rest. You know, it's a whole bail bonds thing I don't understand. But I do appreciate the bail bondsman being like, oh, I saw this video. Are you sure you want to give me $10,000? Like, do you really think he's not going to run? This scene just made it very clear that I don't know how bail bonds work. <laughs> I I wrote I'm in like, my notes. I'm like, I remember how this works. And now I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. Because it's like, his bail's $100,000. But the guy only needs $10,000. So is that like a down payment or is that like really all he has to pay? I don't know how it works. Basically, I think it's like the bail bondsman like pays for it. You, Sorry. Pick the perfect time to start talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think like you pay the like the uh, bail bondsman like a percentage of it or whatever and then, like, if he runs away before his trial, you are liable for all of it. But then if he comes – I think if he, like, goes to his trial, I think you might get some of it back? I don't remember. That could be lying. I, yeah. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like it's just, like, an exchange. Like, here's this money for this person. If they leave, I owe you this money. But if they don't – yeah, I feel like you get some of it back. Right. But probably not be, all of it. Because there's got to be like, I don't know, some sort of motivation in things. But then how do bail bondsmen make money if they don't? It, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I never watched any of the like cops or dog the bounty hunter or anything. No, me either. But okay. New idea. I would love if Colin jumps bail and Val has to go track him down. With Jonesy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. That I would like. Yeah, Jonesy owes her. But, yeah, basically, Val is spending money. I don't know how Val has any money left because Ginger already bled her dry in the hotel. Mm -hmm. And now she's doing this. And she already ran through all of her money from the first time she worked with Jonesy. Like, the club must be doing amazing. Well, and I'm thinking, too, like, she mentions earlier in – like when she and Colin were talking in jail that she doesn't have any actual like liquid money. Mm -hmm. And that tells me, yeah, that Ginger spent basically all of her cash. So all she really has is her car and the pee pad. Yeah. Up until she was in her car later, I was like, did she put her car up for this? I would rather do that than a business. Yeah. Cars don't make money. Cars depreciate as soon as you buy it. The pee pad. Like, this girl could buy a Honda and be fine. Exactly. She could even sell her BMW right now and buy a Honda, a used Honda or something like that and still have money left over to not pay $100,000, but at least have the $10,000 for the bail bondsman. Yeah, she could get, like, an older convertible or, like, a... Mm -hmm. a VW Golf. I'm sure that was a thing at this point. Sure. You know, whatever. But uh, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was – so I will say, you know, she puts the money up for the bail bondsman. She is insistent that Colin is not going to run and this is a good investment for everyone in this party. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and he posts bail and we find out that Colin has a public defender who <laughs> – is just like, I'm going to plead the charges down. And this is when Val freaks out. And she's just like, are you saying we don't have a defense? I was like, like he he was on the 5 o'clock news. Like, he literally, like, it, this is as open and shut of a case as, like, I've ever seen. Because even though he was not part of that, like, drug raid or drug ring or whatever, the charges that he is set up for are possession, which he did. He even says damn it, I have coke on me. <laughs> like He said it out loud. The viewers even know. Resisting arrest, which is also true because he fled the scene, and then driving recklessly while trying to evade a police officer is literally why he was on the 5 o'clock news. So, no, Valerie, there is no defense here. Right? Like, at best, you can probably get what the defendant, the public defender said of pleading down yeah. to a year instead of three, because he could like turn over some information, but I doubt he can just because uh Danny Five mm-hmm. like was in the house when they raided it. I had to, I just had to work backwards. I was like, <laughs> Johnny Five, Johnny Swim, Danny Five. <laughs> hey, you got there. I mean, yeah, there. but also you have to think, even if it might be a year, he could still potentially like Get out for good behavior. Really only have to serve like three months of it. Trust me, there are people out there who do way worse than having a drug possession and get off for like three months at three months or something like that. Like I promise like it sounds worse than it probably will be. Yeah. And I mean, again, like jail, prison, all of that is like a very traumatic experience. But he did the thing and Val says – Screw the public defender. On top of paying your bail, I'm going to find you a better lawyer. Like, ridiculous. Uh, I also want to say the public defender is uh, the camp counselor from Salute Your Shorts. Oh, my gosh. It's ugh. That's amazing. He looked – God. Him and the bail bondsman looked very familiar to me, and I mm-hmm. looked them up. I didn't recognize the bail bondsman from anything, um, but the public defender was UG. God, I haven't thought about Salute Your Shorts in so long. Yeah, I. he's also going to come back to Melrose Place as a completely different character. Look at that. Sweet. He's in the verse. <laughs> he's also done a ton of voice acting look at that Mm, this just keeps going and going so yeah getting fired from being a public defender did not hurt his career yeah I mean it's just outside of our own thoughts about the prison system about blah 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 blah, like all of that this is just one of those situations where it's like you're like Val has a right to be mad in the sense that she can be mad at Colin for doing the thing she can be mad that she can even be mad that the public defender might be taking a laissez-faire approach to this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also have to understand, like, what a public defender's job is. He literally said he had, like, a stack of cases that he had to weed through that morning. That's just how it works. But, which is a problem in and of itself, but still yep. just what it is. 
And so I guess it's just hard. It's, it's at this point, it's very difficult for me to sympathize with either Colin or Val because of how straight up guilty Colin was. The only thing I can think of that might make it even better for Colin is, and maybe not get a full year is that maybe he doesn't have any priors. Right? Like, maybe the public defender has not been able to read through the full case all the way through to see, Mm -hmm. oh, this guy is pretty stand-up. Like, this is his first drug charge. Right? Like, this is his first offense of any kind. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it doesn't matter because, yeah, Val's like, you're going to get a new lawyer and I'm going to pay for it. Like, good lord. And... So all of this is happening. There's been a scene in between these where Kelly first gets home from rehab. And when Kelly gets home from rehab, Colin calls her Mm. and, like, wants to see her and all of this stuff. And seeing that right before Val is dedicating so much time Mm -hmm. and effort and money to Colin's defense, like, makes me as a viewer want to be like, Val, how can you not see this? Like, Mm -hmm. I know you were desperate for love and attention, but, like, this is not the guy. Yeah, apparently just this kind of guy is Val's kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if maybe – we know we don't really know a whole lot about her dad, right? Like, outside of what happened to him. Correct, yeah. We don't know hardly anything about his personality. And so I do wonder if, like, she's seeing more of the, like, broken guys or even just – not necessarily broken, but complicated, I'll say. I mean, look at David. Like, they bonded over trauma, right? Like, Colin and she initially bond to stick it to Kelly, but, like, now he's all in this trouble and she's willing to help him. So I wonder if she just has, like, a fixing, you know, personality flaw that just is going to take her down a bad, bad path. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Kelly's not really in a good place either with Mm -mm. this kind of a thing because she gets home and they didn't want to overwhelm her. So like not a lot of people are there, but they wanted to show her room, her, her room that they decorated and to go past it, we find out that they took down Colin's painting because they don't want to like trigger her with seeing things related to Colin, which pisses her off. Did you notice how much dirt was around the painting that has only been up for like six months? Yeah, and I just <laughs> rationalized it by saying they had to make it obvious, right? But, like, I feel like having painting, 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 no painting would have been just as obvious. Like, show us the painting at any point in the show. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember ever actually seeing it in the house. Me either. And that's the thing, too. It's, like, it would have been, a, I think, a little bit better for there to have been a different painting and for Kelly to be like, wait, this was where Colin's painting was. Mm -hmm. You know, like that sort of thing. But yeah, that was just – had to make it obvious. They could have put the spaghetti poster. Mm -hmm. We liked it so much, we got one ourselves. I loved it. That was – I love that poster. I love that poster so much. Like, I want that in my life. But yeah, so she finally gets into her room, and David's there with her too. And apparently David bought Kelly fish to take care of, which – what is it with this gang – and buying each other live animals. Like, what? Why? We don't need it. We don't need Rocky Two. We don't need the fish. We don't need damn bird. Like, we just don't. At least fish are, like, Friends, mostly. Not <laughs> they just sit there. Like, we're not going to have a bird squawking and interrupting, True. you know, the times. 
We're not going to have Rocky too needing to go out for a bathroom break. Right. She's just going to have to like tick, 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 just a little fish food in the top. No, you're right. I mean, the only funny thing that came of this is that she's naming the orange one David. So David also mentions not to overfeed them because they will eat until they die. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> what's going to happen to these fish? Yeah, they're like, that's the excuse when we don't see them in like four episodes. Oh, yeah, I accidentally overfed them and fish eat food until they die. Instead of, oh, the fish are in my room and we don't go in there. Right, exactly. Which have been fives. And they're fish. It's not like you need to like hire a dog actor. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that like fish don't deserve humane treatment, but like you could just be like, you know, the set dresser's fish. Can I borrow mm-hmm. it for a couple of hours? Exactly. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing where like Kelly keeps asking about Colin. Like Colin has this hold over everyone and he, I think he knows it, which is why he can just call them and be like, you're the only one I've got, but then immediately call his ex-girlfriend and be like, I heard you get out today and I want to see you. Yeah, exactly. I also – Tara calls and Kelly is just like, oh, Tara's calling. Everyone leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And thus begins Tara calling basically every six hours. Yeah, nonstop. The only time the phone rang and it wasn't Tara was Colin, like we talked about earlier. And like, I'm, I don't know if it's a TV thing or a real thing, but I really wish she had picked it up and been like, you have a call from Mm -hmm. LA County jail. Yeah. And then like watch her have to accept the charges. Like, I appreciate she hangs up on him and like does not entertain a conversation, but like could have been interesting where she's asking about how Colin is and then gets the phone call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he calls her, and then his current girlfriend puts up $10,000 to bail him out of jail. And I just want to be like, you're a dirtbag. Terrible. Yeah, you're awful. We get another scene after this. It's nighttime. Everyone's going to bed. And the Walsh house is just very active. Brandon and Susan are in their room doing their thing. Steve and Claire are in Steve's room with Steve's arm over both of their heads, mm-hmm. talking about how a rose unattended will wilt. A chocolate left out? It's going to go stale. And champagne uncorked? It'll go flat. <laughs> like, sometimes they're too cute. And so, like, when they do stupid stuff, I hate them. And then they do this where Steve is like essentially reciting Steve level poetry to Claire in bed while she's upset about romance. He's just like, oh, you want romance? Let me tell you, I will never stop romancing you. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's for Susan and Brandon and Claire and Steve. And I wrote something similar. It was sort of, I was like, it's in these moments that they are cute together. Brandon and Susan are always cute, but Cleve it is in these moments when they are cute. And I'm like, why do you have to make Steve a dirtbag mm-hmm. 95% of the time? And then we get this 5% where he's so cute with her. When he calls her pet names, I melt. Like, it is just, they're so cute. They have such good chemistry. It makes me wonder if Ian Ziering and Kathleen Roberts are dated in real life because I would love that and I would ship it. But... <clears throat> I just, 
I, it, it almost makes me sad when we have these moments because I know we're going to get Dirtbag Steve tomorrow. Very soon. Well, if it makes you feel better, I hated Brandon in this moment. So maybe this was the thing they got. Because, like, Susan is stressing out. She can't stop thinking about Nat and Joan and how, like, this love story could have been epic. But then it's just not going to happen Well, like, Brandon is very clearly trying to bang and at one point, I don't remember what Susan says. It's something like, I just don't know what happened. And Brandon looks at her and goes, maybe she didn't know when to be quiet. Oh, yeah. That was – I was bad. just like, legs shut. Yeah. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> like, oh, you want quiet? And then just like get up and leave. Yeah. Just give him the silent treatment. Yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. Apparently it works because she like turns around and tries to focus, has to stop again. But then Brandon's like – why don't we take them out on a date? Because we're usually mm-hmm. perfect. And Susan loves the idea, and they want to do a whole triple date to help put the romance back in Nat and Joan's relationship. Which is so weird, because they come up with this idea, and then I think it's later on, we find out that Susan and Claire have already gotten Joan on board with the idea, and it's up to the boys to get Nat on board. And this was all for the point of, like, just having this slapsticky kind of scene where they're just, like, saying stuff at each other. But Nat is just not interested. And then, like, two minutes later, they're like, well, Joan already said yes. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, it was almost like as soon as Nat got them to admit that they were just doing this to make the girls happy, he's like, oh, okay. And then he's further convinced, like you said, when they say that Joan was on board. So he's like, oh, okay. Well, if I'm going to sympathize with you guys for wanting to make your ladies happy, I better make my lady, who I don't know if I really want to be my lady, happy. That was what I I was like. If Nat is so against this idea and so, like, not immediately on board of, like, I have my chance to win her back, Mm -hmm. how is this going to work? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. Like, now we're getting into not just the parent trap, but, like, the new girl version of the parent trap where she just like locks them in her room after yelling that there's an intruder in there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just taking photos of your mom in the shower and being like, you still got it. <laughs> That's what's happening here. But elsewhere, Kelly is kind of being treated to like a little date because Jackie got Kelly some breakfast from some restaurant that sounds fancy and Kelly is just like, you know, on cloud nine right cloud nine right now because sleeping at home was heaven because of her pillow and her sheets and her mattress and like all those wonderful things. Um, but then immediately like Tara calls again mm-hmm. to talk about the breakfast that she had. And so they're kind of bonding over the fact that they used to share the same breakfast. Tara says she misses her, but she also apologizes for calling so much. It's very little sister right now. Um, and you can tell Kelly's like conflicted about it because she wants to talk to Tara. She wants her to feel safe. But then when Donna asks how many times that Tara has called, not even in like an attacky way, just like, Oh wow, she sure has called a lot. Kelly immediately gets defensive and is like, Hey, she's going through a lot. Like this isn't a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, she even shuts down like the rest of her life too. She's like, no, you're not going to ask me about Tara. And also I'm not going to class today because, like, I have so many incompletes anyway. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And it just – when it started out so sweet that Jackie brought her muffins and juice and made her coffee and then 
like this one switch gets flipped and Kelly is just like back to just not feeling happy to be home and like she gets her little muffin on a plate. I know. Yeah, it definitely feels to me that like so I wrote in my notes that like Tara is in love with Kelly, but I don't think it's like a romantic love. Mm-hmm. I think it is like a sisterly love. Like she's or just like, like Yeah, like she's obsessed with her. Yeah, it's a very like at this point in the episode, I was like, Tara just wants Kelly to be her person. And like yeah. Kelly has left being in her life 24-7 and she's panicking in this right, moment. Right, right. But yeah, like, then la- later on in the episode, it, it's obsession. It like it's a weird little analogy I have right now, but it's kind of like when you first take a newborn baby home. It like the after the first like twenty four hours, it freaks out because it realizes it's no longer like in its mommy's belly. Mm-hmm. This is almost like Tara. Like after the first twenty four hours of Kelly not being there, her person not being there, she just kind of like freaks out and doesn't really know what to do. Exactly. Yeah, she's. This is the first time that she's been alone in rehab, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I'm in this dank rehab place by myself with no one to make my jokes with. What do I do?" Yeah, the good news is, is that like after that kind of blow up and a little bit shut downy from Kelly, like Donna immediately goes over to apologize to Kelly, like she didn't mean anything by it, like she's really sorry, and Kelly does like then let her in a little bit mm-hmm. on how bad it's been for Tara and like just a little bit of their experiences. So that was good. Yeah, and this is why I love Kelly and Donna as friends. Like, Yeah, for sure. I just love that, you know, Donna realizes, like, okay, Kelly's back, but Kelly's not, like, 100% back. Yeah, So we're still going to have to, like, talk through things and, like, Definitely. be gentle and, like, slowly engage. Like, let's have a movie night at the house and let's let Kelly pick the movie that she wants to watch and, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, we get a couple of, like, really short scenes because there's just so much going on in this story where like Val comes into the peach pit. Willie has his like one moment every five episodes to be like, hey, your friends are here. Do you want to see them? And she says no and immediately bails. But she runs into David in the parking lot where they get in a fight Mm -hmm. because David knows that Val put up money for Colin's bail And then Val accuses him. She's like, oh, you used to be Colin's friend until he screwed up and you all turned your backs on him. At which point, like, I would have stepped in and been like, he screwed up by getting our friend addicted to coke. And, like, we've only known him for a couple of months and all he's done is been a cokehead and mean. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not unlike the way that Val had been right when she showed up into town, mm -hmm. right? Like, and that's what, like, we've talked about this, I think, a lot about the new gang you know new team arrow not really fitting Mm -hmm. in with old team arrow and it's just it feels right that val would be mad about that because i'm sure she was treated like that Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's like david's like dude that's my sister i mean he doesn't say this but he's basically like that's my sister and she is in rehab because of him so no he doesn't get a pass like this is just what it is We've only known him since they got back from New York this summer. It's not like there is a long history with Colin like there was with Val. Like there wasn't somebody vouching for him. There wasn't like an intimate relationship. I mean, you know, Val and David broke up because Val conned everyone into being friends with her. Mm -hmm. But like I I think even David understands. He's like, me not telling everybody what happened came from a place of love. 
And like what Colin and Kelly had was not love. It was mm-hmm. addiction. Yeah. But Agreed. Then- and and also like David's still mad about the ginger stuff. Like rightfully so. Like like Val's trying to be like, hey man, you're not gonna like like you don't know anything about loyalty, you know, to your friend quote unquote friend Colin. But then David's like, dude, you literally like pimped me out to your so called friend. So I don't you know, he, he doesn't understand like why she's preaching to him about this right now when that's why they broke up. Yeah, it's it's a lot of baggage in this relationship. And I mean, you can even hear it at the end. Like David asks if she loves Colin. And I think she, at this point she says, "I like, maybe I do. Yeah, like, she's she, like, well, maybe I do. Yeah, she can't even commit to being like, yes, I do. And David mm-hmm. is just like, big mistake. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. If she plays with dirt, if you play with dirt, you're going to get dirty. Yeah. Clever, David. Come on. <laughs> I would love if that was improvised and he was just like so proud of it. And they were like, I, mean, yeah. I guess we'll leave it in. The other takes aren't that great. Like literally could have said, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Like the saying is not if when you play with fire, you're going to get fiery. Like <laughs> I would have loved if that's what he said, though, and they were just like, we just can't get him to say the right thing. So, okay. <laughs> it's like, liberty bibbity. <laughs> Love it so much. Where you only pay for what you line. <laughs> just a voiceover comes out of David's mouth that is very clearly <laughs> like Brandon. Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. Yeah, they had Jason Priestley ADR Brian Austin Green's line. <laughs> that made me so happy. Yeah. Oh man. Speaking of Brandon, he and Susan are on separate phones with Nat and Joan, who are both so nervous about this date. And I love that we find out that Susan and Claire took Joan clothes shopping. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. They were like, it's best if you start with shoes. Yeah, it's cute. And then Steve's job today was to print the internet about the 70s. I saw one of those uh, progressive turning into your parents commercials, and it was like this one of the guys, like kid, like I don't know what you call him, probably a millennial turning into his parents, had like a <laughs> filing cabinet and pulled out like something he downloaded and printed from the internet. And the guy literally goes like, "No, we don't print the internet." <laughs> like, yeah, he just comes up with some pieces of paper, and it's like, "Have you seen the stock market from 1970?" It was only 800 points. Sonny and Cher still had a TV show. I do appreciate Steve being like, my mom still had a TV show. My parents were still together. Like making that realization in your head is always the weirdest thing. He had a moment for sure. And then they all go to leave for the date. It turns out Brandon is going to go do something separate and meet up with them later, which means it not a triple date, but a double date with a Susan add-on. Not the worst <laughs> thing in the world, but just no. saying. But before they leave, Susan kisses Brandon. Yeah, I don't think there's an accurate enough like inflection that we could put on the word kisses that would describe the way that she kissed him. Yeah, I... I tried to go for a little visual moment which nobody can see because this is an audio uh but like the hand up to the back of the head and just like through the hair and like her entire body is pressed up against his (laughs) and to the point that like she pulls apart it's just like bye and 
Brandon is stunned. It's his okie doke. Like he goes, okay, bye. Like it was his, well, alrighty. <laughs> the okay, bye sounded so added in. Yes. Like I swear Jason Priestley was probably like, damn. And they were like, we can't say damn on this show. Right. <laughs> it was so good. Like lit- his eyes are like kind of a little glossed over. He's just like, Hello. I mean, I saw that kiss and my cheeks got red, so I get it. <laughs> right? You're just like, do I need to, like, am I alone? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Nobody look at my screen. <laughs> right? It's just a kiss. It's fine. Meanwhile. Yeah, the night turns romantic, I guess. I guess. Because Kelly and Donna go to a blockbuster. Blockbuster. Yes. I love how it is so noticeably a blockbuster. Oh, it is a blockbuster. There are no ifs, ands about it. Ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was watching this on my iPad. The screen is really small. It's a little blurry. And I was trying to pick out the movies that they were passing. I swear to God, they passed an end cap just full of the land before time. <gasps> I missed it. That would track, though, because I was right? like six when this came out. So that seems like the right time. Yeah, and, you know, Donna is trying to come up with what genre they should go look for movies in. And, yeah, they passed the land before time, and I was like, not that genre. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, though. That is not good for six-year-olds who don't understand death. That is definitely not good for adults. No, certainly not. But they run into Dr. Greg, who says he was going to call her because he wants to ask her out because I guess he's not her doctor anymore, so that's only a little skeevy. Yeah. And this is when, like, my 90s knowledge, again, no so good. Because then, like, he asks her to the cup of coffee or whatever and then has to, like, get her phone number. So instead of, like, telling him her phone number just right off the bat, I guess he didn't have anything to write with. She says that she's listed as Kay Taylor at the beach. No address. Like, what? (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, I guess when you're Kay Taylor, there's going to be a lot of other Kay Taylors and he might just, like give up halfway through before he finds her i also get that it's tv and they can't just give an address out necessarily i mean like they give out buffy's address in sunnydale but that's because sunnydale is not a real place right right? or like everyone knows the simpsons live at 742 evergreen terrace but that's a cartoon well yeah and like in full house they give the Tanner residence is five 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 two four two four, yeah, but no area code, you know, like, but still, I'm like, how do you look up at the beach how how is there just a section in the yellow pages for the beach? <laughs> I would really like if there is either a section in the yellow pages for the beach or Kelly took out an ad that just says K Taylor beach, oh my God, yes, K Taylor at the beach, no address, <laughs> I mean. What a way to be able to give your number out. Like, mm-hmm. I can't be like, A. Grim, Atlanta, three cats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. If Kelly had said, Kate Taylor at the beach, no address, two fish. <laughs> like, So I just thought of this. Um, I've been watching Gilmore Girls again just <gasps> yes. because I have to. And um, – So last night I watched the episode where Rory takes Lane to a Chilton party 
and she dances with a boy and then she gives him like she he's like can i have your number and she's like kim we're the only ones in stars hollow Mm -hmm. whatever just Mm -hmm. phone book phone book me (laughs) yes i love it under kim we're the only ones in stars hollow bye uh it's henry yeah i wish i could be this suave right like just like but you gotta think too at the time like you had to have your spiel Mm -hmm. it's like you had your phone number but i still don't understand why you couldn't just tell someone your phone number i mean i still can't like give my phone number to people you don't just know your a... own phone number? I mean, I can, but, like, how do you just, like, walk up to someone and you're like, do you want to be my friend? Like, let me have your well, number. that's fair. You need your intro. Like, instead of Kay Taylor Beach No Address, you need, oh, will you text me the name of that song that you were just talking about? <laughs> yeah. That way you have my number. Right. No, the first step now is, like, you find me on Instagram or Facebook, and then we escalate to texting. Yeah. So weird. I very much remember trying to get John's number the first time. And I literally was like, will you text me that song? And he was like, it's on Spotify. Just go find it. Oh, no, that's a classic John response. Is it? <laughs> I was like, but I'll never but, remember. But I have no idea how I got Nate's number. It's too long ago. Just remember it because it was so classically John. Yeah. I feel like I just get drunk and be like, put your number in my phone. Hey, that's perfect. (laughs) You know what? Maybe that's what I need to be doing. (laughs) And then we have the Nat and Joan date. And I kind of want to just talk about it because it's a long thing. I feel like we've already talked about like half of it already. Mm -hmm. Where they start the date. They got a limo. They got a stretch limo. Stretch limo. And they start the date at the hot dog restaurant that Joan and Nat had their first date on. And I would just like to say that they have their, like, five-second conversation about how everybody met. Don't touch their food. And then are like, so where are we going next? Mm-hmm. It's like, they're not excited about being on this date together. They're excited about you guys taking them out to a bunch of places you paid for. Oh, for sure. And also, like, the place that, like, the hot dog place or whatever it reminded me so much of like a zestos yes in atlanta like just how like old it is and how like grungy it probably is now and stuff like that but yeah like the only comment i really had on this part of the date was like yeah when they were talking about how they all met and like susan says that she met brandon and like they started dating because like she's his boss Claire goes classic case of workplace harassment i love her so much i know i was like yes it was Bravo, Claire. Yep. And then Susan's like, yeah, but I don't know if I was the harasser or the harassee. It's like, not romantic. Move yeah, along. Yeah, not, not cute. Change not cute. the subject. Let's get back in that stretch. Yeah. So they do get back in the stretch. Next stop, not cute at all. It's the abandoned lot where Nat and Joan's house used to be that they lived together in. We find out they broke up because of religious reasons. Nat is crushed that his house is no longer here and that the place has changed. But then they remember living together. So they make out and everybody watches at the limo. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine. And, and then we get back in the limo and they're talking about like, what's the most romantic date you've been on Steve appropriately? Like, Hey, it's a trap. 
which good on you, Steve, <laughs> for at least understanding what it is. But then he it does end up saying, like, this is the most romantic date that he's ever been on. And it, yes, it's with Claire, which mm-hmm. is cute. They're, again, they get cute. And Brandon's still somewhere else, and they're going to go meet with him. That That's a whole scene. Yeah, which is when we find out that apparently they broke into an abandoned hotel, cleaned it up, and they're just going to dance in there by themselves. I just have to say, Brandon dances for Susan, and he initiated it. And he, this is like the second or third time he has danced with her. Like, he does not dance with anybody else. They, they're too perfect. He loves her. So much. And Steve and Claire dance too, and they're adorable. Like, Brandon's like, babe, what do you say? And like, they go, and then Steve is like, what do you say, beautiful, or something like that? I'm like, good lord, Steve, don't make me fall in love with you. Do not do it, because I'll hate you in the next episode. <laughs> I know, right? Like, watch the next episode be like, Steve sucks. Episode 25. But he's just so charming. Sometimes. He really is. Sometimes. And it, he's cute, and like, he's dumb. Like, when Claire comments that he still can't do long division without a calculator, and he's like, why would I ever need to? Which, fair point. Totally true. <laughs> You know how many calculators I have? I have one on my phone. I have three on this table right in front of me. (laughs) I'm sure I could have one on my watch if I would just get an Apple Watch. I bet you I do. I'm checking right now. (laughs) I don't know if I do. Oh, I do. There it is. I can do math for you. There you go. What's a thousand divided by a thousand? Don't do that to me. (laughs) I know it's one, but I almost typed it in. Oh my god, it's so teeny tiny. Let me just do some division just to make sure. Yep, okay. 1,000 divided by 1,000 is exactly one. So there you go, Claire. Also, I just realized that people did used to actually have a calculator as a watch and were made fun of. Now look at us! (laughs) What if Steve pulled out the calculator watch right at this moment? Oh my god. He, he was like, come dead. again, honey. God. I would love him so much. And, I mean, that's the whole date. Like, I guess they fell back in love with each other, and then Steve and Claire and Brandon and Susan are really cute that I have no problem with. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. But elsewhere, we find out that Tara ran away from rehab mm-hmm. and called Kelly because she needs someone to come get her. Side note about this scene, Donna says that they're going to watch Soap Dish first, and I thought it sounded familiar, and boy, did it. First of all, it has a million people in it. Like, everybody was in this movie. Um, But one special person of note is our boy Paul Johansson, who was John Sears. Oh my gosh! And is obviously Dan in One Tree Hill, and... Funnily enough, just, I think, last Monday's episode, not this past Monday, but the previous Monday's episode, uh, Sophia and Hillary couldn't be on the episode, so it was just Joy, and she had Paul come on the show and do the show with her, and he references Soap Dish like a hundred times because of what a great experience it was shooting that film. Oh my gosh, what timing to hear that episode and then talk about this one. Right? I'm telling you, like, me and Drama Queens, we're, we're like this. This is so I'm crossing my fingers. (laughs) And I feel like we can pretty confidently say that, like, they picked this on purpose to be like, Paul Johansson's in this movie Mm because they could have picked, like, anything else. 
whatever. Yeah. I mean, God, there are so many people in this movie. It's like Robert Downey Jr. It was Kathy Najimy. It was, I'm trying to remember now because I didn't keep the tab open, but like Paul Johansson and maybe Sally Field was one. I can't remember, but like, I'm telling you, so many people. I love that so much. But they have to go find Tara. And like, again, I, you know, was feeling a little uncomfortable with like how clingy Tara was being just because it's, you know, bad for her rehab, which, you know, we've called out before that this rehab experience was not the correct one for the two of them developing this friendship. Mm -hmm. But so they find Tara, they get her in the car. Kelly's, you know, still trying to be kind of an older sister of, you know, I'm going to call the facility, tell them where you are. You have to go back tomorrow. Like, we just don't want anyone to worry. But then Tara makes this comment where she's like, so this is what it's like to have friends, huh? And then, like, kind of creepy music starts playing. Yeah, and the it was music unsettling. Yeah, the music cue made me think, like, okay, this isn't just that, like, Tara has is having a moment right now and, like, needs help. This is, like, Tara – like, Kelly needs to figure out the way to, like, get Tara out of her life. Mm -hmm. Because, like, as soon as they get back to the beach apartment, Tara puts her shoes up on the couch, not okay, and then is, like, immediately better. And it's like, oh, pass the popcorn. This is the best therapy I've ever had. Yeah, she's, like, super happy just being with the girls, like – total 180 um even though kelly like says she has to go back tomorrow she's fine with it because at least she has tonight right yeah she also pretty immediately finds the remote that they couldn't find before and i'm like has tara been in here oh my god that would be right like i think that's a step too far but yeah. at the same time wouldn't put is it it's just like a joe from you situation absolutely oh my god. A hundred percent. It's him like going into Peach's apartment or not Peach's apartment. Um, first Beck. season of girl. Yeah. Yeah. Back. Back. Well, I guess it's also kind of like going into Peach's I house. Mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did that too. Yep. It's fine. God. Tara may or may not be a prototype serial killer. We'll what find if out. Tara is Joe's mom. Like not Joe from our show. It took, I was like, are you saying that she's <laughs> – No, not Joe. We always forget his last name. Bradley. Yeah, Joe from you. No, I definitely, definitely had a moment. I was like, are you saying like the orphan where she's secretly 50? No. Joe from you. <laughs> but I prefer Joe Bradley. Tara's like 15. <laughs> so we think. Yeah, true. That's true. She does have a deeper voice, like a smoker's like kind of that well, rap and to it. The wig really messes with the perception of how old she yeah, is. That's true. And then finally, we get a scene where Colin has gotten out of jail as well. He's like, you know, getting his first night in his own bed. And it is not going well for him. Like, you know, Kelly said she slept great. Colin is having nightmares and you hear all of this voiceover of people like jeering at him and taunting him and he's in his underwear in this very technicolor cell in the dream and then in his reality he is just like sweating and rolling around mm -hmm. and wakes up screaming and Val has to be like grounding him like it's okay you're here I'm here everything is fine and it's just you know 
it, it tries to be a tender moment, but like as the viewers, I think we all know it's not, you know? Right. Because he's upset. She's like, I can't go to prison. She says she won't let him. And then he says, why are you still with me? At which point she says she loves him and he doesn't say it back and then they kiss. Yeah. She's all like, I love you. But also like, because I I definitely thought it was interesting that they're almost trying to make us empathize with Colin or sympathize rather with Colin Mm -hmm. for being terrified of going back to jail and eventually prison. Personally, I think it's the withdrawal talking. I could see. Like Ooh, maybe yeah. two weeks is like too long and like it would legitimately get out of your system by then. But just the way that it was almost like a hallucinogenic dream, mm-hmm. you know, like very, like you said, psychedelic, a lot of just fuzziness to it too. I was almost like in the fact that he's sweating so much, mm-hmm. could this still be like lingering effects from cocaine? And I think that's totally fair because, you know, Kelly has been off of it for a lot longer and like we mm-hmm. saw her I think within a week or so, but she was in a very like controlled space. It is right. different than being arrested and thrown into a holding tank to come down. Well, and it's possible too that Kelly was given, you know, lots of fluids, lots of help, you know, mm-hmm. like like actual nutrients for her body, whereas Colin definitely was not. Yeah, Colin was definitely put into a traumatic experience where, like, you know his adrenaline was spiking and, like, fight or flight was happening, but you're trapped and, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely – I agree. I think they're trying to make us sympathize with Colin, but I also feel like they're setting up, like (laughs) – I don't think they're setting up. We know they're setting up that Colin is going to jump bail. There's no way. Not when – you mentioned Val paid the bill bondsman who already thinks he's going to jump as a mm-hmm. professional. Then you have her firing the public defender to pay for a better lawyer. Then you have this dream. We shall see. Well, I mean, I don't have anything else to talk about, so I'd love to know what next week's episode is. If if you don't, is it? And if it's called like on the run, then I swear. <laughs> it is not. It is season six, episode 25, Smashed. I mean, could still be Colin on the run and then gets into a car accident. Could be. Could like, be. We already saw the police like nail his van to stop him. Mm-hmm. But that's my best guess. We'll see. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also send us over an email with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And speaking of sending us emails and getting shout outs on the podcast, we have some of those. We sure do. I'll start us off. We've got a couple of emails and apologies for the delay in some of these correspondences, but we've got a couple emails to share. So big, big, big shout out to our girl, Charlotte, who we know is a a very loyal listener. So shout out to Charlotte. She says, and now I remember that I'm reading back this email. Um, So I'll just read it. Here we go. 
Hi there. I was listening to the podcast yesterday afternoon and laughed when you mentioned the person who was like, just you wait and see regarding Steve's dad and the casting of the actor who played Rush. Perfect casting. Still loving the podcast always gives me something to look forward to in the middle of the week. Keep up the good work and fun commentary. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. I love getting emails. And yeah, we knew, we all remembered somebody telling us like, just you wait about Rush. And man, when that dropped, yeah, we were like, holy moly, you were right. I just like, now I really want to see a side by side of like the actor who plays Rush younger next to Ian Deering. Oh my gosh. Just to like drill it into my head. Be like, how could you not see this before? I know. All right. Email number two from our loyal listener, Brian. He says, hello, fellow avocado heads. First of all, love that reverence. Big fan of the pod and am excited to hear your thoughts on the show as it gets more absurd for better or for worse. I was wondering about your thoughts on the show now compared to the type of show it was in season one. Do you think the show is at its best as a quote unquote, very special episode of the week type show or as a young adult soap? Excited to hear your thoughts on things to come on the show, Brian. So thank you, Brian. Now, ladies, let's discuss because Brian asked us a question. Yeah, that's a difficult question because I feel like there is a very tender spot in my heart for special episodes of the week and like high school dramas where like, yeah, it's, you know, whether or not Brandon is going to cheat on his test or like, is Donna going to graduate because she had some champagne in, uh, at prom. But like, for the most part, I also think they're kind of crushing like a young adult teen soap drama, et cetera, et cetera. Like there is some silliness, like just got done talking about how I don't care about Joan and Nat, but I don't know. I love this show. I mean, I think the great thing about this show is that they are handling high school and college very differently, right? Because so many times we've we've even seen shows come after 90210 that it just doesn't work once they Mm -hmm. leave high school, right? Like, and so that's usually why they start early enough in high school so that they can have a good three or four seasons to get you like falling in love with these characters, right? So but there are shows that do make it work. So I think it's really interesting that 90210 kind of paved the way for how to make a high school show turn into more. And clearly it goes even beyond college, right? Because like in theory, if every season is a year, we're going to get two more seasons of them out of college, right? If we just think about logistics here. And so I do miss the dynamics of the group back in high school. I think there was a little bit more keeping them together. Mm Mm-hmm. So we got a lot more group scenes and you know how we love when the whole gang's together, but it is kind of fun seeing them handle adult situations where they're not necessarily needing the, I guess, restraints of high school, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a lot more sense to have like, like the drug story for Kelly at a later point or like Dylan you know, falling off the wagon at a later point just because, like, it's a very TV thing to have a 15-year-old already have had a life. Yes. And so I think there are things that, yeah, you you really need the, like, slightly older character 
to like really sell a story. Yeah. Um, that said, I do think Kelly could have fallen into a cult in high school. I think that could have been very interesting. Hey, Sean Hunter did. Yeah. And well, no, was he in college? No, he was in high school. I think he was in high school. Yeah. This is a hug, Sean. Yeah. This is a hug. Oh, it breaks my heart. But no, I think all in all, I am kind of appreciating each phase for what mm-hmm. it is. But if I had to choose, I don't know, man, because I'm loving Brandon now and I didn't love him in high school. Okay. So what I want is college Brandon with Susan. And I want Brenda back. Oh, uh, Brenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Brenda. You know, I know it's not going to happen because of, like, off-screen stuff, but imagine Brenda having spent, like, three or four years in London getting all of her stuff in. And, like, I feel like it's kind of a known, like, unknown rumor, whatever thing Mm -hmm. that, like, actors go to London to act and then Mm -hmm. they come back to Hollywood to make money. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think of all those who do Broadway and do plays and stuff now. It's like... Yeah, they're doing that because it's their passion. Mm-hmm. Um, no, agree. I wish we had Brenda back. Man, I would love to see Brenda more in college or like in her adult life, you know? So much. She's too busy being a witch up in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't think that's show it started yet. I think we still have a year or two before Charmed. It's fine. Mary, what about you? I have tweets. <laughs> Ooh, tweets. Um, yeah, I've accidentally been sitting on these for a while, so I apologize. <laughs> um, so our good friend Andrea Zuckerman on Twitter um, has sent us two things. And one, the chemistry between Jason Priestley and Emma Caulfield is on a Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum level. <laughs> oh, my God. Hard agree. <laughs> Hard agree. Oh, my God. Best tweet ever. <laughs> Have we mentioned that that's like my favorite movie in the world or is this just like so. so perfect? I think it's Kismet. <laughs> and um secondly, from also from Andrea Zuckerman on Twitter, um thoughts on Nancy's choice, Brandon's weird chin grab when kissing Susan is a whole level of what is that? And <laughs> The lack of bubble continuity in Colin's champagne bubbles is a failure of epic proportions. Oh, wow. I I did notice that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, he had like a full glass of bubbles and then like they turn around and it's just like a glass of champagne. So clearly they did not block shoot that scene. Like they did coverage, take a break, film something else, then coverage. (laughs) Oh, and then uh, we also got like a whole ass thread, which is awesome. And I don't think more. (laughs) I don't think the person who sent us this will hear this for quite a while, but um, I'm going to say it. We're going to shout him out anyway. Um, This is Dodger sister on Twitter. Um, At Back to Podcast, just finished season one of Beverly Hills 90210 rewatch. Saw sporadically as a kid, but was young, like 11-ish in season one. Anyway, found you guys and another pod, and I'm trying you both. Love that you pointed out how Brandon seems to immediately fall in love with Dylan. Who can blame him? But also, (laughs) Dylan and his I want to be your friend line in episode two, while standing one inch from Brandon's face. Good, good. 
(laughs) Thing is, Luke Perry had intense chemistry with everyone and everything, while Priestley has this warm light chemistry with everyone. So in that scene, Dylan seems like he wants to grab Brandon by the back of his head and smash their lips together and aggressively kiss him, while Brandon seems like he wants to gently cradle Dylan's head and softly, (laughs) tenderly kiss him. Am I right, ladies? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now I'm just picturing, given the episode we just watched, Dylan just like up in the hair and then Brandon going, God. okay, bye. Oh my God. Yes. Just, just Photoshop Susan out and Dylan in. (laughs) Just, uh, I mean, I get like Dylan's intense, like that eyebrow is hypnotic. It really is. It just gets you. God, that is so accurate. I love it. Well, I hope they've in- kept enjoying listening to our podcast and didn't make it to like the Euphoria episode and was just like, I'm out. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> sorry. I did all I could do. <laughs> I gave you a chance. Now I'm going to go drive into traffic. <laughs> Shout out to that other guy that emailed us. Right? God, that was a while ago. Yeah. So keep emailing us and tweeting at us and eventually you will hear it. This is how we get everyone to keep listening. That's right. We suck you in and then don't shout you out for like two months. Is it going to be today? Yes. (laughs) Next time? Maybe. Season seven? We'll think about it. (laughs) But seriously, thank you so much for sending us stuff. We love it. And give us some like feedback too. Like I I love the questions, but also Mm -hmm. like tell us what you think. What what would you like? What don't you like? What do you want us to do more of? Do less. All of it. Too long? Too short? More sound clips? I can't do sound clips. Don't say that, please. <laughs> I don't know how to do those. But you get the, you get the gist. Whatever you want. We'll see what we can do. So, you know, until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go work my job at the Lamp Store. I bet that one director is uh, was still shooting on a Super 8. And I'm a romantic, nostalgic lamp. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.